0: Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help us save our forests. Because we all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. In this series, we explore how innovation, especially within tech tools, but also more broadly, can help us protect our forests and support the mission of FSC, which is to ensure responsible management of our forests worldwide. In this episode, we are going to dive into one of the topics that's on everyone's lips, but that many of us, and myself included, could use some more deep information on before being able to really understand what it is and what potential it actually holds. We are going to look at ecosystem services. Ecosystem services comes in many shapes and forms. The most known one is probably carbon credits, but the group also includes biodiversity protection, water management, social aspects, and a range of other solutions. To help me learn much more about ecosystem services and how they play a role in the FSC system, I've asked Asker Olesen to join me online. Asker recently joined FSC, and he comes from the background of being part of international carbon and climate negotiations and solutions development for years. So who better to ask? I started out by asking Asker what Ecosystem Services actually is. Let's hear what he said. Hi Asker, and welcome to the podcast and to FSC as well. You started recently. Hi,
1: Loa, thanks. Yeah, I started some three months ago now as Chief Climate and Ecosystem Service Officer. So a new position, hopefully spanning all of the organization.
0: And can we start with that one word that you just said, Ecosystem Services. Can you explain to us what is that?
1: Sure. That's all the services that nature provides for free to us as a society. It basically is the same for all types of nature. Forests, peatlands, grasslands, all of them provide a range of services. Some of them are very tangible. Some of them are less tangible. Generally, we talk about supporting, provisioning, cultural and regulating ecosystem services. The provisioning ones are the ones where nature provides a product to us. Mm -hmm. Something... We can live off something we can extract from forest or nature and sell on. That would be clean water, fish, wood, food, those that we have had a price on for, for centuries or even more. Mm-hmm. But then some of the others are, um, let's say, a bit more difficult to get hands on. We have the supporting services. That's like soil formation, biodiversity, habitats, things we all have heard of but are difficult to measure, difficult to get your hand on, perhaps even difficult to explain. Then you have the cultural ones, which are the aesthetic, the beauty of nature, that Mm -hmm. can give pleasure, plain and simple to watch, recreational value. And then we have the regulating services, which are, among other, the ability of nature to clean air, the photosynthesis, the control of flooding, the purification of water, or storage of carbon. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole range of these and many of them we haven't even put value and price to yet.
0: And when we talk about ecosystem services, why is that then important in a climate perspective?
1: It's important in a climate perspective because many but not all of these ecosystem services play a role in regulating the climate. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the storage of carbon through soil formation and through photosynthesis is an obvious one pulling uh, CO2 out of the air and storing carbon. But Mm -hmm. also the control of the water cycle or the albedo that is the the radiance of of sunlight back into the atmosphere. So ecosystem services have a direct and various ways of indirectly uh, impacting the climate and climate change. So therefore, they're hugely relevant and uh, ecosystem services are also often used as a a good part of of what's named nature-based solutions in in many media these days. So one Mm -hmm. of the buzzwords.
0: Okay. And what's the difference then? It's part of, but what is nature-based solutions then? Is that like... Well,
1: nature-based solutions is a bit more, how do we then engineer all of these? How can we use them? How can we engineer water cycles? How can we engineer soil formation or photosynthesis? To, to provide a uh, climate mitigation for us to hold climate change right away. So nature-based solutions are to a very large extent relying on ecosystem services. And then it's our way of managing ecosystem services that are the
0: nature-based solutions. Mm-hmm. So nature-based solutions would be like looking at it more holistically or in a landscape perspective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, Okay. see, I'm already much clever. And we're just like, what, a few minutes in. And can you then tell us, because actually I've always Thought that ecosystem services was like there's ecosystems and then there's services that FSC then provides. But it sounds like it's a much more broader term that's also used widely outside FSC. But can you then frame it for us? Because what is ecosystem services then when you look at it inside FSC?
1: In in FSC, it's it's first and foremost, I'd like to say, is the ecosystem service procedure, which allows for a, a standardized way of measuring a a range of the ecosystem services, not all of them, not all of them are measurable, but those that are among other water, biodiversity, carbon, recreational value, and so on. This standard has been created to help do that so that a landowner or forest owner can reap the benefits or get the reward of managing the forest for increased or maximum provisioning of these services. It is the procedure, but it's also much more than that because the ecosystem and ecosystem services, as you rightly point out, are also a framework uh, in which we can look at forest and look at all the values that, that forest provides to us. And that cuts across a lot of the themes of FSC, future forests, intact landscapes, restoration. Many of these themes are essentially back to how do we manage those ecosystem services.
0: So the forest owner gets certified to ecosystem services against the procedure, Mm-hmm. Do they then do they sell those services? Do they get a price premium? what's What's the benefit?
1: Both of these and more could be uh, potential outcomes. But yes, you're right. Essentially, it's a question of allowing the forest manager on top of an FM certification to be able to offer to the market, let's say, a claim saying, I have improved the management of my ecosystem and I want to quantify this or that impact and find someone who would be interested in sponsoring that impact. And then be a, they would be able to tell a story, a verified story, around what has happened and what they have sponsored, what kind of positive impact on a certain ecosystem that this or that buyer has, has supported. So it is a way of generating more income for, for landowners.
0: And if we then zoom out and say one thing is what FSC is trying to do with ecosystem services and making the procedure and, and utilizing that to make sure that your, your customers know that you're actually doing something above and beyond just managing your forest, how does that fit into all of the multinational processes that's going on on the climate context?
1: It fits quite well, I'd say. There is a lot of corporations, companies, financial institutions, even governments uh, around the world that has found out in recent years that stakeholders and clients and so on, essentially, they want responsibility to be acted out. Basically, they want companies to take responsibility for their impacts. And to the extent they cannot do that directly, then within their own, uh, let's say value chain, they can start sponsoring or supporting others to do that. So there's a huge interest Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that a lot of commercial actors out there are, are. looking for these kind of projects for these kind of investments or sponsorships and we're trying to connect essentially buyers and forest owners to set up good ecosystem service programs and projects around the world
0: Mm -hmm. so would it necessarily be so that if for example let's say i'm a timber trader in denmark and i want to make sure that i do something more so i go and look for a forest that has ecosystem services Is it tied so that I can just go and find any forest that could do ecosystem services or do I need to also buy like timber products from that particular forest?
1: Those two, it doesn't have to be connected. They can be, but they don't have to be. Essentially, if you know your supply chain, if you have a good relationship with the particular forest manager providing wood for your supply chain, you could go and develop such a project and have ecosystem service claims issued for that particular forest, which you could then sponsor and use in your brand building or marketing to show that you take responsibility for your supply chain. But Mm -hmm. you can also look beyond your own supply chain, look to to local forests around your production facility if you would want to do that, or basically a forest anywhere in any continent to have ecosystem service claims developed, and then you could use that in your branding.
0: So it is a branding effort. Does it have any real impact?
1: It it can mainly be used for branding, the ecosystem service claim that is. There is no, uh, as we usually say, there's no transfer of ownership. So the one sponsoring an ecosystem service project does not end up owning the impacts that has been achieved and quantified and verified. And that's quite deliberate in order to not have this appropriation of ecosystem services by certain entities. But if one wants to go further down that line, you can then develop projects on biodiversity offsetting schemes or carbon credit schemes and so on and so forth, in which case you can use it for offsetting.
0: So when I'm saying... Does it have an impact? What I'm actually asking is, does it have any real effect on climate change as such? But what you're saying here is, you don't actually, you don't buy the claims and therefore you cannot offset it. You can't say, well, then it doesn't matter how much I pollute because I'm buying claims to, to offset.
1: Strictly speaking, yes, because there is not this legal component to the ecosystem service claim. It might be interesting uh, for us to look into other means, other types of of products that would allow that. I think there's a huge potential for that. So we're looking into that. But with the current procedure, then no, you do not end up owning the impact. And and Mm -hmm. just on that one, then the impact for me is the positive or in theory also the negative impact of a a change to a management practice that results in uh, ecosystem service benefits or mm-hmm. improvements. Okay, so it is so actually, you impact. can tell
0: exactly. Yes, there you, is you can a value tell down. exactly. You can uh-huh. tell
1: exactly what it is and you can uh, trace it back to one specific forest and specific management practice changes by that forest manager with the purpose of realizing or, or generating these impacts and mm-hmm. eventually uh, a claim.
0: Is it scalable enough so that we can make a dent That's
1: the very good question. That's the (laughs) million dollar question, because currently we have only a few, I think below 50 uh, projects globally. So let's say the global impact is still limited, but the barrier here is to a large extent the capacity on the side of project developers, on the side of project owners, landowners to develop the projects on one side. And on the other side, for the buyer side, the demand side, to to find, to connect those landowners with the right off-takers, the, those that would want to to have those verified storylines as branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. Because we need also to be quite honest and say that for compliance purposes in the carbon space, in the EU or under the Paris Agreement, the ecosystem service claim is not sure that. So mm-hmm. serves a different purpose
0: okay so it serves more of a company i'm in need of a branding
1: yes it does i think mean, it's important here to understand that these let's say three different ways of using the ecosystem service claim which we're increasingly trying to articulate and which will also be the basis for, for further market and product development here in fsc there's first is this storyline where you want to let's say you as a company want to sponsor management practices in the forest to preserve or increase ecosystem services. So you can go and tell a story. That's what we can do currently. As you alluded to before, then there is also a number of companies that want to link ecosystem service impacts or Mm -hmm. benefits to a specific value chain for a specific product. And that's fine. You can do that as long as you don't expect to have uh, quantified impacts per product. So product level ecosystem services, because that's tremendously complicated. It will be dynamic over time. So you would have to recalculate values all the time. And you would essentially have to rely on on life cycle assessment tools. So LCA tools to do that. And we're just not there yet. So that's a use that we can only partly support with ecosystem service claim. But we're looking into that because it it is crucial. Mm -hmm. Then the third use would be where you would want to do, let's say voluntary offsetting is okay. I have this impact from my business, from my operation. Let's say I'm expanding my facility in Germany. And for that, I have to cut down some forest. Then I'd like to offset that with sponsoring, let's say a a restoration activity at another site in Germany or beyond that you can calculate the impact of any sponsored activity. So you couldn't in principle calculate that you would be offsetting. But mm-hmm. as there is no transverse ownership, you don't get to own these claims. You don't get to own the impact. Then from a legal, or that's a philosophical point of view, one could argue that you are not offsetting and that's also a, a, a limitation we'll have to look into. So of these three uses, we can currently serve the first, we can partly serve the second, and we're trying to find out how we could serve this third one.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I have a zillion <laughs> questions in my head. I'd like to really just first go back. When you're saying right now, one of the um, obstacles is identifying projects that are relevant. Is, not, and- not necessarily
1: identifying projects, because I think there are many projects out there, and I'm sure that would be a lot of, of, of forest owners and managers out there. The difficult part right now, let's say the valley of death, is that there is only a handful of the project developers, the experts that can go and help the landowner develop the project. One thing is to identify the management changes. Usually landowners will know that themselves or could Mm -hmm. fairly easily look into that. But the whole structure around setting up the monitoring program to make sure that you monitor according to the right standards, these impacts that you want to quantify, uh, that you report and document it and make it ready for an eventual validation. That's the difficult part and that's the part where uh, we see still that the product development infrastructure around the world is still at its infancy. So the support is often mm-hmm. lacking. So it's difficult to get projects realized and have these uh, the claims issued.
0: Is that an FSC thing or an ecosystem services thing in general?
1: Both. I'd say one of the beauties of the of the ecosystem service claim and the procedure is that it's one out of only a few globally that can do this and it's not that there are any of the others that have let's say taking it to scale quickly so we all have this this challenge but luckily from the the carbon market we see a lot of project developers there like south pole and others that have those exact skills and capabilities and infrastructure targeted at carbon projects but many of the issues many of the procedures many of the templates are similar if not the same so it's also a business opportunity for them to expand into to this and that's what we're also looking into to get that capacity out there
0: very very interesting when we first started to, to talk about this whole digitalization of FSC, which this podcast series is also one of the results of, and really looking into things like earth observation and digitalization of our audit reports and impact monitoring, all these kind of things. One of the ideas that we had originally was also that we wanted to create some sort of platform, an investment platform where people wanting to invest, in, for example, ecosystem services, or just better forest management or protection of forest areas, could actually link up with forest owners. Do you still see any merit in an idea like that?
1: Yes, I do, but perhaps with some refinement to it. Again, if one of the main challenges here are the lack of capacity in the market, to some extent also in in FSC for good reasons, to develop the projects, then we need to find out who can provide that service. Should it be FSC or should it be someone else? But another Issue is obviously this, as uh, you say, the, the promotion, the marketing, the, the brokerage around these claims, and that is a particular role. That is a role that comes with some very specific uh, legal and practical implications, which I'm not necessarily sure if I see a position to do. It, it is a speciality. So what we could be doing is, let's say, to be to set up and, and manage a showroom where we're basically helping those forest owners that have an idea or those forest owners that. That have already started developing a project with one of those project developers to help them showcase to many of the uh, partners and stakeholders we have here is a project you could sponsor, you could invest in, you could help out, and then let someone else do the brokerage, the legal arrangements around the, the sponsorship agreement and, and mm-hmm. the claim and all that. Uh, but it's essentially comes back to what role should we play in that value chain? Uh, what role mm-hmm. should we take up? And I think we should for sure use our global reach, and our national presence to collect and connect through a showroom, a good project and good ideas, but not necessarily being the ones that manage the transaction itself.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense to me. Another follow-up question that I had was when you talk about LCAs and LCA calculations, there are a lot of tools out there. Uh, True. I'm just wondering, the data or the information that you get out of an ecosystem services certification, would that be enough to just input into the first part of an LCA and show the actual impact of a certified forest, potentially against a non-certified forest or...
1: Almost, yes, okay. to a very large extent, but it, it comes back to a number of key questions. One is which and to what extent do you choose as a project owner to cover uh, a range of ecosystem services? If you're only, let's say, only targeting biodiversity or water and base your claim on that, then you would have only data for that, for the LCA assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and LCA assessments in particular, the more comprehensive tools with a higher integrity, they would need data on a range of issues, also mm-hmm. impacts beyond the ecosystem service framework. So there would be more data to be collected. And in some cases, these cannot be collected and you would then rely on a global regional sector or ecosystem specific data from databases that could mm-hmm. be done. I think that the challenge here is that that you then also need similar data for all the, the, the downstream steps of the value chain, which mm-hmm. I would say from a starting point should be the responsibility of those wanting to make the label. And that's, again, something I would be a bit reluctant to see FSC taking on to manage these data and model them. Mm-hmm. So we could feed in to this, but it would be a lot of data, a lot of processes, a lot of calculations, a lot of things to be on top of if we were also to manage that part. But, mm-hmm. hey, let's look into it. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the last point on that would also be that uh, we're involved with our climate director, Pina uh, Giavasi, has for a long time cultivated and built a strong relationship with gold standards, one of those uh, carbon schemes. And in there, together with a number of partners under uh, the auspices of ISEAL, we are exploring, let's say developing, what would be pretty groundbreaking work. How can you do such a a hybrid certification or quantification of impacts across value chains that you would be able to label, perhaps even on a specific project? So we're looking into it with some of Mm. the best in the world, but it is tremendously complicated stuff. Let's wait and see how far we can take it.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's also extremely interesting, something that there's definitely a market call for. So now I've I've said two things that I knew of, and both of them you said, yeah, you could be doing that, but we're not really, that's not really where we're focusing our efforts first. So can you just... Take us into where are you focusing your efforts right now? How are you trying to grow ecosystem services in FSC?
1: Well, I think there are two main priorities and several so understory of supporting priorities. But the two main ones would be one on the one side to build this, pardon my wording, the ecosystem of project development. Who mm. can make these projects reality, the implementation, the application of the procedure in reality, taking ideas and potentials at forest management unit level to the market, essentially. That we're looking into, and that's among other, where we have this collaboration agreement and MOU, a memorandum of understanding with South Pole, one of the biggest and globally relevant project developers. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's surely one thing. And that's also under that umbrella that we're building capacity, having webinars in in FEC and scaling up and training so we can address that barrier. Mm -hmm. Then the second priority is. How do we link up to market-based, result-based climate finance, ultimately carbon markets in the years going forward? Because as I said before, the ecosystem service claim does not entail or does not come with the uh, the transfer of ownership and also the standards around the carbon component within the ecosystem service procedure is not rigorous enough to match the requirements of carbon markets. So how do we link to that market with the current procedure? One option would be to develop our own credit type, our own standard. I don't see that as as a viable option because there are already a range of good options or standards schemes out there. So how do we link up with those? Make sure that they rely on an FM certification, perhaps an ecosystem service claim, and then they add the carbon component, quantifying the carbon impacts to the standards and requirements that carbon markets need. So you could have what we call dual labeling or dual tagging, a voluntary carbon market credit issued with some form of FM trademark to it. FSE Association, that's what we're looking into. Simply because this this is the most mature market and this is the most mature option for many landowners to build a new revenue stream essentially. And if they can't do it with us, then they'll do it with someone else. So we need to be there. So that's the other priority and that's why we have close collaboration with Gold Standard as mentioned and also VERA, one of the other major global standards out there.
0: And what's needed to make that happen? What's the gap that we don't have yet?
1: Um, In that sense, or for that priority, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a gap. It's a question of getting into the machine room, putting things together. Um, So it's really around testing and piloting and how can it work in practice? Uh, So we avoid that any uh, forest owner would have to run two parallel and separate validation processes. Can we somehow link that and, and make sure that there is also a a cost kind of component to it. Uh, I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. what we need to explore. So it's really, again, groundbreaking work. Not many have succeeded in doing that. We've been looking into it at FSC for years and years. A lot of good work has been done, but we're still to see the first project set up that would issue a labeled or tagged unit. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So it's testing and trying.
0: Is there anything that we've done in the past where you say, well, there are areas where we've actually performed pretty well in this space before and where we've accomplished to do things that others haven't
1: sure there is and the mere fact that we have an ecosystem service claim ecosystem service procedure out there being adopted is in fact a huge success there is very few other schemes or entities or that have something similar it is a niche product but it's also in many cases a fun runner and that's quite an achievement.
0: Do you think it will continue to be a niche product or do we see it any ventures?
1: It really Pardon? depends. Linking back to those three demands that we try to service that we see out there, the mm-hmm. storytelling one, we meet mm-hmm. the, the product labeling we're working on, but it's difficult. But I'm also seeing a progression by corporations in particular in, in, in Europe and US towards the third one mm-hmm. that companies want to be able to document and essentially offset their impacts so that they can claim to be carbon neutral or biodiversity neutral or a combination and that we cannot mm-hmm. and as that market is growing to some extent on at the expense of the others then yes the current ecosystem service claim procedure could stay a niche product serving the storyline the demand but mm-hmm. if we can tweak it or somehow make sure that we can also service this offsetting market either through dual labeling or tagging or with a, a revision of the ecosystem service claim then the scale is there, the scale potential Mm -hmm. is there, then we can expand.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess all of the companies that have signed up to net zero or lifetime carbon neutral free or all of these different, I guess they're not really trends, they're just companies picking up their responsibility from way back will really require us to get that third element in place where you can actually offset
1: yeah, agree. As you say, there's a lot of, of pledges, There is mm-hmm. ballooning or explosion in, in pledges. And a pledge is really nothing if you can't document that you pulled through, that you did what you set out to do, what you pledged. And that's where this documentation, this quantification of impact comes in. You have to set up a rigorous, transparent, standardized system that someone else has validated, a third party has validated, before you can claim that you met your pledge to become mm-hmm. net zero or whatever, reduce your footprint by... X percent, and as more and more companies will be uh, looking to do that, then this third need I see will, will expand
0: mm-hmm. will grow. Is there any risk for FSC involved in getting into that whole field?
1: The major risk would be if we do not get into that space because I think the demand is there to stay and it will grow. So, those same uh, corporations or businesses entities would look elsewhere, and if they could then get this service from another scheme for mm-hmm. the same forest land. Why not just go with that? Mm -hmm. I think it's more like a a losing out risk if we don't. But to answer your question, in fact, then the risk is, though manageable, this whole discussion around greenwashing, leakage, additionality, a lot of these tricky terms that we've seen in the climate debate over the years. How do we deal with that? And how do we stay true all the way to high integrity, stakeholder involvement and so on and so forth? really the core values of FSE in that process because there is a lot of let's say more dubious attempts to do offsetting out there and we don't want to go into that space Mm -hmm. period so we need to find the high integrity way of dealing with with offsetting.
0: I think there's a third risk there buried that Mm -hmm. we take so much time and are so deliberate in trying to avoid Going into that whole greenwashing area I'm really having sure that we have our integrity in place, that we move too slow to actually address the market need and lose market leader position.
1: True. And that's why we need to partner, because there is a lot of experiences out there. There's a lot of, what you say, trial and error by other organizations, and we don't want to reinvent the wheel or, or try to do all of this again. Mm-hmm. So it's really, for me, it's around tapping into building on and using all of these experiences and that's also why i'm here in the organization to make sure we don't start from scratch because then it would take five years and the train has left the station it's already leaving but mm. the horn has sounded so mm-hmm. let's get on board and then manage those risks so that we don't end up as you say with the the biggest of all risks simply not not being there
0: yeah <laughs> which would It's the first, I think, for FSC, really not trying to pioneer things, but actually having the ability to go out and learn for others. And it's also completely in line with our global strategy of wanting to really work on co-creation. Yes. If we are to pull this down a bit and be a bit more specific, and Mm -hmm. and let's say I'm, I'm a forest owner now out there, and I actually, I want to look at ecosystem services as part of my forest management business model. What's in it for me and where do I start? Who do I contact?
1: Well, a a good place to start was to call up your local FSC office or representative, obviously, Mm -hmm. so they could start connecting the dots. The key thing here is to get some sort of product developer. It can be an individual expert. It could be a a bigger company. It could be a global setup. Many ways to do that, to get one of those, start working on it. Obviously, and I have to be uh, completely honest about that, then at, at this point in time with, let's say, the this insufficient capacity to do project development in many geographies, then there is quite a lag time from you reach out until you would get any financial reward, until okay. the claim would be issued. So that is where some of those sponsorship agreements comes in. We need quite quickly to hook you up with someone who would be willing to pay upfront also for the process, unless you can bear the the cost and the time spent. For some time so so it's a bit of a tricky start right now Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: but there are a number of developers out there that might be interesting south pole natural capital partners 84 others that could help you get a project started
0: it sounds like it's hugely expensive or a lot of work
1: oh it's not it's not hugely expensive and and costs are coming down in particular a lot of the experiences as i linked to before from the carbon market means that, that it's much more lean and efficient and cost effective now to develop such a project compared to 15 years ago when i was involved with project development where we basically had no standards no lessons learned to rely on yes no point in hiding that it does take some hours spent it does take some meetings research setup, structuring doing plans to have such a claim issued in the end
0: which is why we probably only have around the 50 right now. Hmm. Yeah. Is, so you're talking about the standardised methods, especially within carbon, etc. Is do we have standardised methods for most of the ecosystem services that are relevant for us to work with, like biodiversity, uh, water, <clears throat> all those things? Are they standardised as well, or is
1: it? Yeah, I think it's important here to distinguish between whether we have developed a standard uh, mm-hmm. that is vigorous transparent methodological and all that or whether there are established external standards that we would need to rely on and also mm-hmm. order to access the market those are two different things because for so far five different ecosystem services carbon biodiversity water soil and recreational value we do have developed with the ecosystem service procedure a standard
0: okay so that's an fsc standard
1: yeah, that's within the, okay. uh, that's the mm-hmm. ecosystem service claim procedure. But for most of these, there are no authoritative or more mature, more adopted, more accepted external standard. So their mm-hmm. ours is as good as anyone else's. But for carbon and to some extent biodiversity, you have those standards that has been developed by the scheme owners of the voluntary carbon market over the past 15 years. Some of the most known are those owned by Vera and gold standard and these are a gateway into these markets and these are standards that are more elaborate more detailed more tested than our carbon equivalent and couldn't point to the exact places and details and wording would need to change but if we were to compete with those standards be as attractive in the carbon market then the carbon component of the in service claim would need to be revisited so there are some standards for carbon that we Rather work with than Mm -hmm. try to compete with.
0: And that's where the dual labeling comes in.
1: That's where the dual labeling or dual tagging comes in.
0: Okay. So now we've seen it from the forest owner's perspective, and we know that it takes time, but start with your local office and be armed with patience and a good sponsor, it sounds. What if I'm from the other end of the supply chain? If I'm a big corporation and I want to start using that CSR story. I want to potentially start calculating the impact on my products or a product group. Do I start in the same way? Do I also contact my national office there? Or
1: yeah, that that, that's one uh, way of doing it. And and as we're looking into, as our good colleagues in, in Europe, in, and if it's the Netherlands and Germany and Italy are looking into exactly this showroom I mentioned before would be part of, would be a place to go where these corporations could Go and look for projects and connect with the project owners. Because now i probably sounded a bit like it's a bit tricky. It takes some time. It's costly to get these projects started. But what I should be saying at the same time now that you ask is that I'm very optimistic at the same time because we do see a lot of demand. We do see a lot of of big international brands, companies, also small ones, reaching out to us saying, Can we do this? Is there a way through the ecosystem service claim that we could have this verified storyline or work with with our product uh, labeling or start calculating our impact, negative or positive? And yes, there is. So it is to a large extent connecting the dots. There is a huge Mm -hmm. demand and there are a lot of responsible and and ambitious companies out there that want to work with us, they want to find these projects. So there's also reasons for optimism. It sounds like,
0: do you say that Italy, Germany, and I I forget the last Country are actually Netherlands are actually working on a platform like that now. That's part of the
1: that's part of a TS three project. Okay,
0: so an internal funded project. Internal funded
1: project exactly. We're looking into that, relying on some early experiences from the Netherlands where they have a carbon accelerator and maybe a beta version of what could be done. So yes, they're working on that.
0: Really interesting. So it sounds like there's a lot of things happening right now. And I want to be fair to you too, because you've only been around for three months. So if I come back to you, let's say in two years time, what will, what do you plan to have happened by
1: Well, I like to be too ambitious. So I'd say on those two priorities mentioned before, then I'd say we found and implemented, or at least started implementing two or three delivery models that would essentially tear down the wall in terms of the product development barrier to make sure that projects can get off the ground, that there are someone somehow associated with FSC that we can get projects off the ground. That's a major priority, and we've fixed that within two years. That would be a clear ambition. And the other one would be that we've got this dual tagging, dual labeling with South Pole, Vera, and Gold Standard somehow sorted out. And that we have had, I wouldn't put a number to it, but let's say a number of projects, a handful of projects or something like that globally off the ground where we would it takes some time Well, we would be issuing or soon to be issuing carbon credits that are based on fm certification and usage and service claims as well tagged or labeled those two are would be major achievements and i think we need to do that the climate can't wait
0: I completely agree. It also sounds like you have your work cut out for you, Um, but luckily you're not alone, and and therefore we've already agreed that we will do another podcast later on in the summer, where we invite your colleague that you already mentioned, Pina Gavasi, and and we can have a conversation about differential linkages between the work of the two of you.
1: We'll come back on that.
0: Thank you very much for enlightening us a bit on the basics of ecosystem services and FSC's role in that I I am most definitely more knowledgeable than I was entering into this conversation.
1: My pleasure, Laura. Uh, Great (laughs) to have these discussions and great to get the messages out there. So thanks for setting it up.
0: Sure. That's it. I hope I managed to ask all the questions that you might have on ecosystem services and why they're important to FSC and to the world. As we talked about at the end, we are going to return to this topic in a few months and invite our climate director, Pina Gavasi, into the conversation when we dive deep into how FSC will be able to use the combined strength of Pina and Asker to really accelerate our climate impact relevance. Until then, if you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovations and it's open for everyone. You can also always get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I'm Laura Worm, and this was Forest for the Future.